Hey everybody, welcome to Love the Nilsons. I'm Thomas. My name is Alyssa. And we're here to share our story. Discuss relationships. Talk about raising our kids. Be advocates for mental health. Share our faith. And whatever else life may throw our way. Let's do this. Woo! Welcome back for another week. Woo-hoo. Another episode. We are committing ourselves to be more regular with this thing <laughs> what kind of regular be more regular yeah not with bowel movements <laughs> but with podcast episodes also that that was a hot topic when i was in the hospital so bowel movements are important. Important. they're still important everybody poops <laughs> everybody poops oh my um now we might have to mark this episode as explicit oh. dang it just kidding um <laughs> No, but we're back for another week, and we're excited. We have we have, uh, we have a guest on the episode this time, uh, like we've had a few times before. This week, we are welcoming our neighbors, uh, Riley and Allison Peterson. Why are you looking at me laughing? I'm not. They're just currently on mute giggling because we're over here talking about bowel movements. But no, we're super excited to have them on. We have like a list of all of our friends that we want to interview and just like the different topics and things that we want to discuss. With so if friends. you're listening to this, we're coming for you next. Oh yeah, absolutely. We've got a whole list going. Okay. So, but why don't we let the Petersons uh, introduce themselves here, hop on real quick and instead of us just rambling yeah. on about poop. Come on. Hey, we're, uh, we're honored to be here. And I think uh, us being on the bowel episode is especially fitting. <laughs> Given the nature, the humor that we have with the Nelsons. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks, thanks for having us on. It's great to be on. Honored to be featured on the Bowel episode. <laughs> We're not calling it that, though. <laughs> so, I want to give a backstory because we always love talking about this. So, we moved into this townhome, what, two and a half years ago now? And the Petersons already live next door. We're in townhomes that are obviously all connected, but we are not connected to their house, but we're right next to each other and our windows stare into each other. And so we could perfectly see into each other's kitchens if we want. Sometimes our boys will look into your house to peek at what games you have going on. It's great because sometimes I feel bad throwing a game up on the screen (laughs) on our house. But if you've got the game on, then I can pretty much see it. So we moved in. Open the blinds a little further. (laughs) (laughs) So we moved in. There's basically just pretty minimal privacy. And we share like a backyard too. Like we all, there's no fence or anything. And so I think it was just a summer night. And we had kind of like met each other. They thought you were kind of a grumpy guy, just your first impression. But that's not the first people that have told me that. Apparently, I need to work on that. But um, we were outside, just sitting on our back porch, and I think you guys were out there as well. And it was kind of like, well, I guess we're all out here, and we should probably have a conversation because we're I don't just... remember this, but because well, we're... we'll give our side. We're okay. like. Hey, let's go meet them so we can actually be friends so we came outside so we could have a conversation and <laughs> so can you can, can you confirm did you think i was grouchy well when i so i remember this very vividly thomas because i went and got the mail because i was i remember peeking out the window and yelling we heard at, noise yelling at allison hey the na- the new neighbors are moving in yeah i remember <laughs> meeting you when i was moving in. i can get a read on them so I went and got the mail and came back and I mean you were hustling, Thomas. And so I don't you had two other dudes with you and you guys were just going ham on unloading whatever you could. Yeah. And so I kinda like I mean, honestly, I was like, okay, I can't offer to help because I'm in the middle of my work day, but I do want to introduce myself. And I can't even remember what we talked about, but I do remember like thinking, oh wow, he was pretty short with me. He must be really in the zone. Uh, and that was pretty much my Project first impression. Mode. Yeah. Pro- okay, I call it 2024, 2024 New Year's resolution. Work on first impressions, apparently. Oh my gosh. So, anyways, so that- <laughs> I do, if, going back to that real quick, I do remember you like in short small talk, you asked like what I did for work and I was currently unemployed. <laughs> and I was like, well, I, uh, nothing right now, actually. <laughs> I got a sugar mama. And, and you're like, I work at Qualtrics. And I was like, oh, well, maybe there's an in there. We'll see. But <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, yeah. so we kind of we kind of chatted with you guys that night hopefully you realized thomas was not grumpy but then i remember i don't think i told you right then and there but i was like man that girl looks familiar like i don't know i know that girl from somewhere so eventually me and you start going down this like okay where are you from like where did you go to school where have you lived like literally just digging into life history turns out we were at like a youth camp like efy back when like what year did we decide that was 2009 2010 we were 14 right so yeah it was, so I I, yeah yeah around there i go back and i find these pictures that we had together literally like almost 15 years ago before moving in yeah i was just gonna say you have a, a good memory you don't have a bad memory but like not like something like that so it was so funny so when you're like creepy. i know her from somewhere and i was like okay maybe and like had a college class with her our paths did not cross between then and when we moved in and so somehow but allison's uh yeah we aunt? did find no, out her cousin, later that her cousin her delivered cousin. our oldest kid yeah kind of wild so like our paths have crisscrossed in weird ways so it was like we felt just like meant to be so over the last two and a half years i feel like we've just become really close and we're just super grateful for our neighbors you guys have saved us in many a situations many a times and also just being really good friends so we are here mostly today so you guys um had a little baby girl um, shortly after us, um, we so we wanted to talk just about kind of your journey to get her here and what that's looked like for you guys. So let's just hop into questions. Let's dive in. Go for it. Done here. Okay, so just to start us off, can you give us kind of like a brief um, lowdown of how you guys met and kind of the beginning of your marriage and then the beginning of like, Hey, we want to have kids. Yeah. Um, so Allison and I, so I, I'm originally from Logan. I actually, I, and I moved down to Utah County for work, work for a, a tech company down here, um, worked for them for a number of years. And it just so happened that the, one of the people that I started with was Allison's cousin and I got Allison's cousin into riding bikes a lot. And so, we would go ride on bikes and he would introduce me to some of his other cousins. And one of them happened to be Allison's brother uh, and unbeknownst to me at the time. And so I kind of already had like relationships on that side of the, like of her family without actually knowing who Allison was. And then come 2018, December yeah, December, 2018, I had a work uh, Christmas party at uh, where was it at? Grand America. Yeah, Grand America. Fancy. Anyway, so uh yeah, it was and it was fancy, which is Allison's cup of tea. She loves those kind of events. <laughs> so, Allison's wrong. roommate, and keep me honest here, Allison, your roommate was dating one of my other coworkers that I was also good friends with. And you just happened to be third wheeling it at the time. Um, and so you came to the Christmas party that I was at, and I didn't have a date there. And uh, you had two dates. Ooh, you go, girl. <laughs> was your friend gave me his extra ticket. So that's how we ended up in the same group at the party. Okay. Well, what happened was it was blackjack night. So they, uh, at Qualtrics, they do it. They go all out on Christmas parties. And this year just happened to be like a casino night. And so I was at the blackjack table and, uh, dealing I there. making no, no, i was money. feeling it that's for sure but what i realized was that the maybe this is bad but i realized <laughs> that the dealer was only playing with one deck and so i strategically put my we were playing blackjack and i strategically put myself at the very end so that i could count cards and oh, so he's a card shark i didn't know this I'm a card shark so what ended up happening was i basically just my my running joke is i just was going all in all on every hand because i knew that like the odds of me winning were like really really high <laughs> so it i had stayed and i was at this poker or this blackjack table the whole night anyways her friend and my coworker came up to me and introduced allison to me at that party 
And I think we maybe said that like, was the extent of it. That was the extent of it was like, Hey, how are you? Um, nice. well, that <laughs> each other's name. You yeah. Know, whatever. I think that, and that was pretty much it. Well, come, when was that January or February? January. We started hanging out with like the same friend group. And so, um, <clears throat> she showed up to a party with wet hair, with wet hair, uh, <laughs> no makeup, no makeup. And a little different than the, a little different than Casino the Christmas night. party. <laughs> I remember thinking to myself, like, this girl literally just came to a party, like, coming out of the shower. Like, she just. <laughs> and I was at a place in my life where, like, I didn't really care either. And so I'm like, I got to know who this gal is that just shows up to a party like this. And how old were you guys, too? Because for, you, for Utah, you always have said you guys were a bit older than probably the average. I was 29. Yeah, Riley was just about to turn 30. So I was 25, I think. Yeah. Okay, go Anyways, on. So come, come to find out, I had, I don't remember how we started talking. I think I was, I made a joke about your wet hair or something like, like that. But I FaceTimed my cousin. Yeah, really what I found, I found out that you were cousins with Josh. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I got to, I'm like, no way. I ride bikes with this dude all the time. And then I found out that I ride, rode bikes with like her brother. Anyways, I made her like FaceTime her cousin so I could compare and actually see if they were related. And sure enough, like they have similar facial features. <laughs> <laughs> and then honestly, like after that, we just kind of hung out like around the same friend group for well, a Well, let me add time. something. I was in the friend group. Riley was not. Uh, like he was friends with Skylar. But he wasn't really friends with like all of us that hung out. All of a sudden, Riley started coming around a lot more. Oh, well, yeah. These, like, movie nights. Mm -hmm. We walk and like everyone sit on the couch, and then like as time went on, Riley would lay on the floor. Because Allison <laughs> would lay on the floor. <laughs> but we like had no, there was nothing. Like we didn't even have each other's number. Like nothing. It was just so neither of you were making any moves besides very slow burn. Very slow burn. Very uh, slow. Burn. <laughs> And, and then uh, eventually, eventually, I he finally made a move. Made a move, yeah. After Jeez. much, after In much March. prolonging, yeah. Long, long time. Yeah. So we March of 2019, yeah. Yeah, Correct. March of 2019, and then we dated that whole time. Eventually, got engaged uh, September. in September, and then married in February of 2020. So. Yeah, it was it was awesome. Dated for about a year. Uh, did that kind of, I don't know, kind of on purpose, but it was good to just get to know one another for a really long time. I think the cool thing was is we were very much friends first. Uh, the other things came second, which I think really helped us foundationally get on the same page. And then once we got married, and we got married in COVID. Uh, well, we right actually got married like a month before COVID, and then COVID hit, and then us myself being older and kind of more established like in a career and you were i mean i was ready to start trying like day one yeah no, i was not uh but i think but by the time like september rolled around like we had prayed about it fasted prayed and decided like timing was right like let's start let's start trying and tried for and that's where the journey years. begins yeah <laughs> So. so started the trying to get pregnant started in September of that same year, 2020. Yep. Mm -hmm. Well, then that first month I ever took a pregnancy test and it was negative. The first of many, I'm yeah. sure. Many, many. So then, I mean, they typically say, you know, go a year and then kind of ask for help at that point. Is that how it went for you? So... I went to the doctor like right before that first pregnancy test just for like a checkup. I didn't know if you were like supposed to go to the doctor, if you wanted yeah. to get pregnant, whatever. Anyway, so um, she just did like an exam and she's like, well, just track ovulation for three months. And if you don't um, detect any, then come back and we'll put you on Clomid. Like that, it was wow. three probably months and Three months probably yeah. felt like a long time for you in the midst of trying, right? Yes. Or, yeah, it did. Okay. Yeah. 
yeah and yeah um and so three months came and went no ovulations i went back and sure enough they started me on clomid right away so no crazy. testing nothing which is kind of crazy yeah. when you hear the end of our story um so i did mm, two months of that and my what is the hormone progesterone mm -hmm. i think is what they test on day 21 um is it that i can't remember whatever hormone they test on day 21 like can indicate if you ovulated or not yeah. didn't change like at all like wow. no movement at all and they had up my dose in between those two months and so then i started doing a little bit of my own research and i um came across like a lot of pcos stuff and with clomid you should be getting like an ultrasound before you start mm -hmm. and all of these things and so i didn't feel good about it anymore and side side conversation well i could tell that when we go to the doctor but anyway yeah. so i didn't feel good about it anymore and so i was like i am gonna go to the fertility doctor because at this point like i haven't ovulated it's been i think when i called it had been like eight months yeah that's um, a while and like my doctor at the fertility center um said that the year is like if everything's normal and not ovulating is not normal yeah. so anyways so by the time so we got our point like our consultation appointment or whatever in may of 21 and full disclosure i was like so when i called they're like well normally new patients are about six to eight weeks out like a waiting list six to eight weeks out Ish. and i was like well i'm i'm hoping to be pregnant in the next six to eight weeks like i can't yeah. wait that long. oh yeah and so they got me in on like a cancellation or something and awesome. i'm like sweet now i can be pregnant within six to eight weeks uh -huh. <laughs> That's funny. so anyways i go for the first appointment and literally the doctor's like you probably have pcos you don't look like it like you're not the picture of pcos because a lot yeah. of pcos symptoms are like acne and excessive hair and um weight gain and stuff like that and i don't really have any of those symptoms but so this is like my side note i got a facial when i was in december of 2019 i believe it was and the esthetician was like talking about this acne on my chin how it was like hormonal and stuff mm -hmm. and she she had pcos and so that's what like sparked the pcos thing and so when i asked the fertility doctor she was like well i would be kind of surprised but you know whatever and so anyways go for the ultrasound she's like you definitely have pcos like it was which Thomas is asking me over here, PCOS is polycystic ovarian syndrome. Yeah, is that yes. correct? Okay. Yeah. And um, I knew. I just want to make sure all, all our listeners knew, obviously. <laughs> to be honest, I don't fully know like all of it. My Kate, my type, I don't know what you call it. My testosterone level is elevated. Mm -hmm. And so it basically there's no ovulation and so the follicle that is supposed to release the egg never releases the egg which then turns into like a cyst. so was so, it already at that time that they said you need to think about ivf was it like a pretty quick conversation with them or how did that end up how did that conversation come from the doctor to ivf yeah no so she was like IVF is like our last resort. She's like, we just need to get you to ovulate. Mm -hmm. So 
then we did three cycles of like medication which this is like the crazy part how they didn't test me anything at the first doctor so my body reacted to clomid in like a crazy way so like it didn't work the same way that they were expecting it to so for those medicated cycles um we did letrozole instead so it was basically like you take five days of pills and then uh do a trigger shot and then hope for the best so just taking the clomid like the doctor before wanted you to do much more monitoring they did like ultrasounds to check your follicles to make sure they're growing and all of that um and then so in the second cycle of that i developed a cyst Mm-hmm. And the medication, the letrozole, can um, make you like susceptible to cysts. So where I was already high risk for them, that's where the IVF conversation came into play. My doctor was like, we could do IUI. However, your time frame, like a normal three, because they, they do it in like groups of three. So like three medicated cycles, three IUIs, three IVFs before you try something else, right? So she said we could do three cycles of IUI, but um, you're so like prone to the cyst that that will stop treatment. So my recommendation is just to go straight to IVF. So we finally started IVF in November of 21. So by that point, it had been like six months. So I'm curious. Yeah. I'm curious what the conversation was like when you like essentially came home from the doctor or the two of you just like, yep, this is what we're doing. Like we want our baby. This is the way to do it. Like this is for whatever reason, this is what needs to happen. Or were you like, I'm not sure. Like how did that conversation go between the two of you? For the IVF portion? Yeah. Like, how did you come to that decision? Was it just like, yes, we need a baby. This is what needs to happen. Or like, I don't know. This is IVF's intense. Like, it's a lot. Emotional and financial, like, investment that you're making. Yeah, good question, Alyssa. I think, uh, so by the time the IVF rolled around, if I recall correctly, Allison, we were already... We had already been going to the fertility doctors for almost, I think about six months. No, it was beyond that. (laughs) We were literally like at nine. Oh, for trying. Yeah. Oh, we were, yeah, we were, we had been trying since September of 2020. So at that point we're like a year and a half in. Yeah. Yeah. So I think at that point we had tried, we've, we basically, the doctor basically was like, Hey, we can keep doing what we're doing. My recommendation yep. is that we've exa- we've exhausted all like methods. Mm-hmm. She's like to increase odds. My recommendation would be to go to IVF. So, I mean, it's kind of, it, it's it's basically like okay, well, we can go down this road. It hasn't we haven't been successful in the past, and there's a lot of emotional conflicts that have arisen because of that, and just like just the inner battles that you face. So, I, I think for me. And for us, it was just a matter of, okay, like, do we want to go down this avenue and try to, because it was all about what's the probability that we can increase our odds and Mm -hmm. whatever gives us that best odds, like, let's, let's try to do that. Yeah. We were kind of in the place of like, "Mm, what do we have to lose? You know, like it's not working any other way. So why not try? Um, I think we did your, um, your card counting come into play here. Like that was odds. And so we're talking about odds here. Did that, did that help? (laughs) He used all of his luck on the card counting. So. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think, I mean, honestly, it's just, you've already dumped so much money into it. It's like, you're this far in, what can we do to get a, a kiddo here? Yeah. And try to just speed things along because there's an emotional process, like the emotional like weight that is created through infertility is just, it's a lot to bear. And so if we can, it's 
a lot of it was, hey, what can we do to try to keep the ball moving? Um, because at this point, I think we're kind of at a loss for options. Um, we were lucky enough that my work covered some of the IVF costs through insurance, which was we were like Amazing. really grateful for. We were really grateful for. So that definitely helps, like, make the decision because yeah, it was attainable. Yeah. yeah, it was something that we could afford at the time. So yeah, I mean, it, it was either it was either let's try or we're not, uh, or maybe we need to explore other options um, or just be at peace with where we're at. Or like take a break or something, but how did you guys like? Because obviously you've you've mentioned that it's obviously an emotional journey, roller coaster, whatever you want to call it, with so many ups and downs. Like feeling hopeful one second and then just feeling totally discouraged the next. Like, what do you do in the midst of this to maintain your hope? Or like, you know, do you have to like temper expectations, or do you just kind of like? I, I'm just curious because that would me as like if i was in the situation i go like super extreme like super super hopeful to super super discouraged so like is it a matter of just trying to like go even keel and just like find the middle ground or what do you do or how did you feel in the middle of all this i guess well riley and i are very different uh thomas you and i are a little similar <laughs> i definitely had the high highs low lows um i think like at the beginning, it was very hard for me to have the disappointments and all of that. But like, as time went on, I did, I never like changed the desires of my heart. Like I never felt like that had to change, but I did have to change like my mindset and like my mindset shifted from like, this is hard right now. Who's to say like, there's not another thing that's going to be hard down the road, like, and I have to learn how to cope and I have to learn how to like be okay with things not going as I expect because life's not easy. And you know, this is probably not the only thing that we'll have to go through. So I think changing my mindset to like that, it almost like reinstates reinstilled my hope because like i don't know if that's a word but because i was like okay well if i if i can have that mindset then i can enjoy life regardless of what happens right um but and the other thing was that i was listening to a podcast one day and it was like this girl who had struggled for like 10 years and she had this this thing where, which I got really caught up into, where it was like kind of a goalpost mentality, like, well, when we have kids, then I'll be happy, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but she had this thing where she was really stuck on planning her life around being pregnant. Whereas like she then shifted it to, well, I'm going to plan my life. And if I'm pregnant, then I can adjust those yeah. plans instead of like, you know, all, all of that. And so I think just like focusing on other things, I know it's like so cliche, but like it, it really is the only way to get through. <laughs> She's a little different than I am. I, so I got married later in life. I was 30 when I got, or 31. 31. I was 31 when I got married yeah. or when we got married. So I, and, and to be honest, like I kind of went like a, what's that? I said 31 is a great age, by the way. He just turned 31. <laughs> um, like, so when, when I turned 30, though, I kind of went through a midlife, quarter life, third life crisis, whatever you want to call it. Where I remember like very vividly asking my parents, like, like going up to them in their room when I was going to visit my dad on his birthday. And I was like, I feel like a complete failure. Like, I'm 30 years old. I don't. Like I'm not married. I got zero kids. Like I'm way far behind, like where my friends are like in life and these cool milestones that everyone gets to experience. And I remember asking them like very vividly, like, do you ever, like, do you ever feel like you're a failure? And my parents, I'll never forget what my parents said at that time. Cause they were like, no. And I, it, that answer kind of shocked me. Cause I, and I was like, why? And they said, well, I'd, we didn't realize their, their answer was, we didn't realize that 
there was time frames along like these milestones and that mm. I was, that we needed to keep up with other people. Mm. And I was like, oh, I'm like, they're right. Like I don't need to keep up. And so I actually developed, I call it my zero. I, I created my own like lifestyle and I called it the zero expectations lifestyle. <laughs> and maybe that's why it was so slow when we were dating because I was like, eh, <laughs> type of thing. Like, I'm not going to put, I'm not going to hope that this turns out, but I'm also not going to reject it. If it does turn out, like, I'm just going to go with the flow. He's just and in I, the ocean floating, hoping something yeah. good happens. <laughs> yeah. It reminds yeah. me, it reminds me of the, I forget what her name yes. is. The main girl in this newest Spider-Man movie where she's like, if you expect disappointment, you'll never, or if you expect failure, you'll never be disappointed. <laughs> yeah. And so I think, uh, I kind of went into like this fertility journey with, I, I I tried to go in with this no expectations yeah. lifestyle. And I think for me, that was helpful because I can maybe be a bit more balanced than maybe you were, Allison, yeah. experienced the highs and the lows. Definitely. And, I th- and to be fair, what a man experiences versus a woman in infertility is greatly different. Pregnancy and infertility and fertility in yeah. general. Yeah, all of it. And so I think, thank, uh, thank goodness for men, right, Riley? Yeah. How women do it. Y'all are stronger than I could ever imagine myself being. So shout out to to you, strong, childbearing, oh, IVF, endeavoring women. It's incredible. But I think, uh, I'm, and Allison and I had these conversations probably weekly during the highs and the lows of at in over the course of like the three years we basically got to a point where it's it's like hey we need to be at peace with whatever the outcome is going to be and the sooner we can make peace with that the sooner we can start living and enjoying life again because it really did feel like our life was on pause for three years for a long for a big portion of that and our life revolved around these treatments and that, and rightfully so, like it was a great desire of our hearts, but I think coming to peace with what God had in store for us, like really kind of helped set the table of, okay, like life is going to be good with or without children. And once we got to that point, like it really made a difference. I love in, that. I love that. How we moved forward. You guys are amazing. So let's go back a little bit then. Now kind of we know like the you know, emotional roller coaster. So then you started the treatments. You started the IVF. Um, tell us about your few different transfers and just kind of um, how that went for you. Yeah. So well, we did the egg retrieval and we got 39 eggs. So that was Oops, really girl. exciting. Twenty-nine. about that actually like because you mentioned earlier that your P PCOS mm-hmm. caused yeah. your egg to not like, well, I don't know what you want to call it. Like release. To, to release is like, did yeah. you have more eggs in there because of that? Or you, those would always turn into cysts. Uh, so you your, well, your follicles are based on your AMH, I think is what it's called. And typically when you're younger, your AMH is low or higher. And so that's really, that was due to my age. I just had like, they, yes. they told me in treatment, multiple, multiple people would be like, your egg reserves are incredible. Amazing. Like, yeah. I remember. Yeah. yeah. They were amazing. And they, yeah. So when we went for like one of those monitoring appointments during the, what they call STEM portion of IVF um they were like amazed by how many follicles were growing and the whole the whole purpose of the treatment Thomas is that they're going to pump you full of chemicals that basically makes these or hormones yeah chemicals hormones whatever they are (laughs) eggs like fully mature so that they can go in and collect them as if they were like releasing yeah yeah, okay gotcha Uh, yeah so just for so some back, you had 39 retrieved and then you were saying something about 29 yeah like, 29 yeah. fertilized and then 13 made it to a five-day blastocyst which is what they then freeze 
Which is so, a pretty good number, right? Like I've heard yeah. a lot of different IVF numbers. I feel like yours is one of the higher ones that I've heard. Yes. It is important to note that we didn't do any genetic testing. Typically yeah. your numbers go down. Gotcha. After hmm. But um, 13, we started with 13 embryos. So then we transferred our first one in January of 2022 and I got pregnant <laughs> and then miscarried at seven weeks. And that was probably the hardest moment of the fertility journey for us. And that, that was also the first time you'd ever been pregnant, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, I mean, it's, it's hard not to feel this way, but it was like, finally you know like it was we'd been trying for so long and it was just disappointment after disappointment after disappointment and it felt like it was finally gonna happen and yeah then we went for our first ultrasound and there was no heartbeat yeah um, and then yeah so that was very very difficult um, I it's like making me emotional a lot of right myself yeah too. i'm yeah. like it didn't even happen to us but yeah i remember that happening just hearing that your baby had no heartbeat it's just heart-wrenching we were cause... we were crushed over here yeah like i remember we were just silent yeah, and crushed. Was, yeah that was a rough time so how did you then move forward from that and keep going because then you did more you did more so how well, did you move that was actually a very um that gave us a lot more insight onto maybe what was going on. Um, so because we didn't do the, the genetic testing prior to transferring the embryo, embryo um, you can, and I did opt for a DNC mm -hmm. uh, just for emotional purposes. Um, yeah. And so they were able to test the fetus and the fetus came back normal. And so that was like a gut punch, but also yeah. it helped answer some questions or like lead us down a path that was maybe not the one that we were going to go down. So on my very first appointment, when I did the ultrasound and she said that I had PCOS, she also mentioned that my uh, uterus was partially septate, which is where the septum, which is like at the top of your uterus grows into your uterus, um, which isn't really a problem, except for that there's no blood flow um, mm -hmm. in the part that grows into the exactly. uterus. Yeah. And so if, and this is what they most likely think happened, if your embryo implants in septum, there's, it, there's no viability. Right. So my doctor was like, because everything else checked out all of my levels are fine um the, the fetus was normal everything so she recommended that i get surgery on my septate uterus mm -hmm. so we took a little break because the miscarriage happened in february and then i ended up having surgery in june of 2022 well, and you have to wait for your hormone levels. To oh, drop yeah, back that down. was the worst part. <laughs> and so what ended up happening was like month after, well, what first it was we did week, week after week of tests waiting for her hormone, her hormone levels to drop down. Yeah, your HCG has to go back to zero or and they below not, five in they, order to start treatment. again. They were not dropping like at all. And That's so, just like, let's take you while you're down. Like reminder. Yeah, it was awful i mean they didn't fully drop until like almost may and wow. if you google like how long it takes well this is the problem with me too is that mm -hmm. i'm the type of person that's like well they say that you can get pregnant or you're most fertile after a miscarriage uh -huh. so i'm like you know in la la land thinking that that's me but i like can't really it, it's not me anyways yeah. so the the if you google like how long it takes your hcg to drop it's like one to nine weeks and i think i was like 11 weeks literally yeah. like it was mm -hmm. so Dish. long <laughs> it's a really long time. Yeah, quite so the that, 
The nine. Once those dropped, then my nerves, I, I kind of was like, well, I'm looking for a break. Like, um, I got my cycle and I hadn't had a natural cycle since we started the whole process basically. And so I was like, this is my body telling me that it needs a break. Like there's too much hormone. There's too many hormones. There's too much stuff going on. But like also we're like Riley said, we're trying to keep the ball rolling. So like I didn't want to take too long of a break, but I took a couple months and then did the surgery in June. Yeah. And then how long after the surgery did you have to wait to do another another one? Uh, we did another transfer in August of that month of that year of 2022 and then you found out how long after about that one because i mean obviously we know what turned out with that one but how long and everything after that uh so they always do a blood pregnancy test two weeks after transfer day um and that one just failed i didn't get pregnant or anything so honestly like it didn't even i mean it was upsetting i guess but it was Mm -hmm. It was less than like getting pregnant, losing the pregnancy. Oh, yeah. So we kind of recovered from that one pretty quickly. Yeah. I think one conversation that we had with you guys, like, gosh, I can't remember if it was like in the midst of all this or even after you had your baby. I don't think I ever like fully like wrapped my brain around the fact that when you're doing IVF, they literally put the fertilized egg as close as they can, but like the implantation is up to God and up to your body. They can do that. And I don't know that that was something that I ever realized. Like you hear about IVF, like, Oh, you take this fertilized egg and you put it in the uterus, you know, but like I realized like the actual, like getting pregnant is completely up to God and your body and that like science can only get you so far. Yeah. That is one of my like biggest, um, dare I say pet peeves, (laughs) I guess (laughs) misconceptions of IVF is that people are always like, yeah, we're implanting. Well, first of all, they call it an egg. It's an embryo. That's different. The embryo is the egg and the sperm mix. So it's, a blastocyst uh-huh. and they say we're implanting and I'm like, but you're not, it's, you're just yeah. transferring it. And then your body has to accept it. And the embryo has to do the regular work. Like if you got pregnant naturally, I mean, yeah. it really is, it really is crazy. I remember on the last, the last, and you go, get to watch it. Yeah. You get to watch which it, which is actually a and, perk of infertility. <laughs> there you are you're spending thousands and some couples are spending tens or hundreds or $50,000. And at the end of the day, like I remember talking to our doctor and and she's phenomenal. And I was like, so how do we get a guarantee that like this will stick? Like, is there a way to do that? She's like, no, like that is the miracle of life is that it does it on its own. Like Mm -hmm. you trust that your body will do the natural things and that this blastocyst will do its natural things as well. And what's supposed to happen will happen. Like there is nothing that we can do scientifically to help improve odds. Nothing. Yeah. That's, and the craziest part about IVF, I think, is that once after the, the you know, all the injections and everything that you know IVF by, once you're pregnant or like after the transfer, it's like you're a normal pregnant woman. Like you're, you're just as at risk of everything happening as someone who got pregnant naturally. And so that's kind of comforting, kind of not, you know, but it's like, it's like, okay, well now we're just normal. <laughs> so, yeah, so then, yeah. So then this was second transfer, right? So then third transfer yes. goes around. You find transfer, we did in October of 2022, mm-hmm. we transferred two embryos to up our chances and maybe a blessing one stuck (laughs) (laughs) with our baby that we have now 
so wild. So take us through just kind of briefly those emotions of those nine months of pregnancy, because I mean, you've had a journey to get here. Now, all of a sudden you're like, okay, we have this baby. Had the miscarriage. Got to hold on tight, but like we got to live our life. And also it's got to be hard. I think kind of what you just mentioned, like you've had all these appointments and then all of a sudden, like you want me to wait like weeks in between appointments (laughs) and just be like a normal person at a doctor's office. Like, are you sure about this? So how did that go for you? Like up until right before she was born? Do you want to share your yeah, I'll, I'll go, I'll go first. first. So I, I'll be honest, like, I, I'm, I'm already blonde hair, but like, if I, if I had was a different color, like I swear I'd be gray. Cause I, I honestly think that I was stressed every day and yeah. worried, like worried sick about it every day. Um, I think that I have a little bit of PTSD from the miscarriage, um, sure. and not seeing like the heartbeat. So I remember, I mean, I would pray for hours every night like just praying that we would be able to hear a heartbeat. And when we heard it, like I was just sobbing cause like, it was just like, so like relieving. And yet after that, like you've still got all these complications that can happen. And we almost like, there were many, many times where we felt like, like you were having a miscarriage again. And like, you started bleeding and we're like, this is like, this is it. Like we're going to lose this kid again. And I up, up, honestly, like, up until the day she was born, like I was nervous and like high anxiety, like I was a nervous wreck. Um, and it was really, really difficult to like wade through those emotions because it wasn't, I didn't feel like I got to experience the normal happy pregnancy that like you hear stories about. Like mine was very, my experience was very stressful. Yeah. Um, and right, right. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah. But you know what, like looking back, like I, I did, I don't know, like I feel like almost let my quote on my, that lifestyle that I talked about, like slip away and I started to get like hope. Right. And I think that there's always hope and there's like, you always have to have faith, but like, it's almost scary to kind of put both feet into the, into the deep end and like ride that wave. And, uh, I don't like looking back, I'm like, I didn't do a good enough job of celebrating the pregnancy for like what it was because I was so worried that something was going to go wrong. Um, and I think like, that's a big, that's a big regret that I have. Like, if I'm being honest, like I wish that I would have celebrated more and worried less. Yeah. Easier said than done, but yes, it is a good goal to have for sure. Yeah. You, Allison? For me, I mean, I was, mm, I'd say I was more on the celebratory side um like so the first trimester was extremely nerve-wracking uh at eight weeks i started bleeding and i had to go in for like an emergency ultrasound and they found a subchorionic hemorrhage which if you don't know what that is is like basically where the uterus or the yeah what i don't know what it is something detaches from the wall Mm -hmm. and blood gets in and so the one person who did the ultrasound told me that it was like half the size of my uh what's that called it was like the the sack like oh yeah yeah before it becomes the placenta basically right um anyways it was like half the size of that and she's like well luckily it's on the side that what the implantation didn't occur because if it was on the other side basically she just like scared me into thinking that it was like i was gonna have a miscarriage the next day um and i actually was put on like bed rest like a modified bed rest for until i was like 14 weeks pregnant um and so once we got past that it was much more like this is really going to happen. But then, you know, those thoughts always creep in. They're like, Mm -hmm. Whoa, but what if it doesn't like, I really had to like trust. Cause I mean, I know you feel the same way in a different way, but my bot, I felt like my body had failed me. Like it didn't do what it was supposed to do by society standards or whatever. 
Um, and, and so I had to trust that my body knew what to do and it would, it would do it. And like, yeah. I just had to have, yeah, I guess faith in that. I yeah. did do a lot of affirmations and they're still on my mirror and it's very exciting to look at them and Quincy loves looking at them, which is so no, sweet. So mm -hmm. sweet. Full circle. And you yep. go to therapy. I do know that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So the, the miscarriage really catapulted me into getting better for the mental side and the emotional yeah. side because I was, it was bad. Yeah. Um, so I started going to therapy like every other week, weekly, yeah. I think. I can't remember. It was pretty frequent. Yeah. Um, and shout out to therapy because that. <laughs> <laughs> and now your daughter is here and she's the cutest little redheaded baby I have ever seen. And like all of that is in a way like behind you and you have this perfect little baby who you fought hard for for years how do you feel like you guys are doing emotionally now like looking back and like now that you have her do you still have these worries like oh my gosh something still could happen to my baby or do you just feel at peace like we've worked so hard and here she is and we just feel so at peace um this is interesting because I mean, most of the time I'm like at peace. She's here. Everything's good. Obviously everyone has intrusive thoughts and anxiety in some way and that, you know, I'm no exception, but I, people told me like, just wait till she's here and how anxious you'll be. And like, I was way more anxious in pregnancy. Mm -hmm. That's and rude. I think it's like, because in pregnancy, like, you don't really have control over something happening, right? Whereas, like, in life, you don't even have control as much, but, like, but you do, right? Like, and you can, you can mitigate risk and stuff like that. And so it was, that's, like, comforting to me, where I didn't have that comfort in pregnancy. Yeah. Just feel like you have that much more level of control over things, I guess. Yeah. Like I was obsessed with feeling her move while yeah. I was pregnant. And like, if I didn't, I would like automatically go to worst case. Whereas mm -hmm. like, I can see that she's moving now. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah. 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 And when you've never, like, I remember just the first time I got pregnant, like with our first son, I was just like in shock. Like, does my body actually know how to like grow a human? Like, this is wild when you really like stop to like take a second to think about it. Like, like my body is growing a human being and I've never done this before. Like, is this actually going to work? Like people do it. Like clearly it works. Cause you know, we're all here, <laughs> but like, I just, I don't know. Like, it's just shocking that like you can just do that. <laughs> But it's truly a miracle. Yeah, it's incredible. Thing. Yeah, it is. It's so incredible. Um, man, I feel like we could just talk about this forever. <laughs> um, I guess a few things I kind of want to end with here. Um, you guys have shared like a lot about your emotions, everything that you went through. Now your daughter is here. She's incredible miracle. Um, how do you, what advice like, would you give other people or what other like suggestions might you have if somebody else is like going through this? So my biggest piece of advice, which it took me a long time to get there, what is just like, like I talked about previously, like don't plan for pregnancy. I was... Yeah so caught up in, oh, there's no way I won't be pregnant by Christmas. There's no way I won't be pregnant by my 29th birthday. There's no way I won't be pregnant by like, you know, like all of these trips, big events, like all these things. And 
guess what? I wasn't pregnant for any of those. And so now this exciting event is tainted because I put pregnancy on it, which it had nothing to do with pregnancy in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like, I think just, I know it's, it's so hard. Like it's a lot easier looking back, but truly like changing my frame of mind to like, like kind of what Riley said, like we had to accept that life was going to be good with or without kids. Like kids are an enhancement, but we can have fun with ourselves. And if that's how it's going to be, that's how it's going to be. And like, what am I going to mope every day for the rest of my life? Like, no, I'm not going to do that. So accepting that is it's hard, but it, it really helps change perspective and all of that. Um, also like you need a support system. (laughs) Like it is absolutely necessary. I would not have gotten by without my family, my friends, Alyssa, lots of, (laughs) lots of talks with Alyssa in the backyard. Um, I think like, media groups can be helpful, although sometimes those are hard because you watch others have success that you feel like are in the same situation as you. And that's harder, in my opinion. Like, it's one thing to watch someone get naturally pregnant on their first month of trying. Like, that's infuriating when you're going through infertility. But, like, watching someone who struggled for three years and then they get pregnant and you're, like, on that same journey is very, very hard. Um, I did take a six month Instagram break after the miscarriage and that was like the best thing I ever did. Yeah. Um, and just like, I don't know, you can't, you just can't lose the hope. You can't, even though it's hard sometimes. It's hard. I feel like it's hard when you have hope and then you get burned to like keep moving forward because you know, you know what it feels like to have hope and then not have it work out, but you don't necessarily know what it feels like to have hope and then have it actually be successful. So now hopefully you guys are on the other side where you have had the hope, you've had the downs, you've had the highs and lows, but you have this like beautiful baby to remind you like we can have hope. and. Yes hopefully to kind of keep carrying you through as you move forward. And then I, I know me and you have talked about this a lot too, but even though you went through all of that to get her here, it is still hard to be a parent. You are still tired. It is still hard to figure out the baby. Like it doesn't matter. Like I sometimes feel like this myself, like, Oh my gosh, I went through so much to like have this beautiful baby girl here. Like I should just be grateful all the time and I should never complain and I should just soak up every moment. But you guys, we still are real tired. <laughs> and so I feel like that's what's yeah, you had to put shots in your butt for 10 weeks. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't, mean, doesn't mean the crying doesn't get to you. Like, yeah. doesn't mean you're not dang tired on like the fifth waking of the night. So yeah. You can have the gratitude and you do have the perspective and we've really appreciated just watching you guys and um, I mean, watching the struggle, but then seeing the hope and like the gratitude that comes through. So thank you guys for your example. I know it's been hard and I know a lot of times too, you probably haven't felt like who is that uh, good of an example, but really like we, it's, it's nice to just watch your friends go through good things and hard things and just kind of see where you come out on the other side also still with like a testimony and faith in God that he's there for you. So seriously, thank you. And we're grateful to have like little neighbor baby girl BFFs too. So besties. Yeah. Yeah. They're like three months apart. I know. So amazing. But do you have anything else to add as we end here? I feel like you gave us some good stuff. Uh, Well, the only thing I wanted to add is also it's okay to like own your feelings and be sad and mad and you know we always talk about the hope and the faith but like I had a lot of hard days and I recently had someone ask me how do you cope it was on New Year's Eve and she said how do you how did you cope on days like today where it seems like everyone is posting about it that they're pregnant and I was like 
I didn't like, I just didn't like, I just had a hard day and I, (laughs) I struggled through that day. And I told myself tomorrow's a new day. And one day, hopefully that will be me posting. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is that like towards like in the thick of it, I was really protecting my peace. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so like, I wouldn't go to events that made me sad and people usually understand. And if they don't, then it might be on them, but like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, you're you're allowed to feel your emotions for other people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, don't be afraid to say, you know what? I'm sorry. I can't attend. This is too hard for me in this time. And I would love to support you in a different way or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. We uh, love talking about our feelings here, as you already know. So yeah, we love that. There's hard days and like the hard days are okay. Like they're necessary and it's just part of life. And I feel like too, when you have the contrast, like if you can remember those hard days and just let yourself feel those hard days, then now these days snuggling, Quincy, you can just be like, wow, like we worked really hard for this and I had some really bad days to get here. And now I'm here and it's really good, but also like I can still have bad days and that's okay too. Yeah. Exactly. Well, Ermy, Riley, you just came back from a crying baby. Do you have anything? We're just finishing up here. Do you want to, do you have anything else to, any words of wisdom? Are you back to your ocean of just like let whatever <laughs> happen? Or does your baby make you have a little more, uh, <laughs> you have to have a little more control? Uh, keeping this mindset i mean i think uh i think when it comes to just like advice i think first and foremost like i'm very empathetic for those that are struggling out there um i think from like a a man's side we often we don't talk about our feelings and how it makes us feel and so if there are any men out there that are struggling or someone's family members that are going through their, their wives, like I'm empathetic to your, like your situation and know how helpless it feels when you're in that process. Cause there's literally like nothing that you can do. Uh, I think ultimately like there was two, there was two things that I realized like during this process, the first one is that there's always hope and, um, it's okay to grasp onto that hope knowing that eventually like something could happen and there's nothing wrong with having that mindset. The second thing is, is it's okay to realize that life's not fair and that everyone has like their own crosses to bear. And just because this is something that I'm going through doesn't mean that someone that's not going through that and is maybe seeing success, like with fertility and having kids, like I can be happy for them and sad for our situation at the same time and know that there will probably be circumstances later in life where they're going through something that I'm not, and that's okay as well. And so, um, I, 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 I don't know. There's, there's not a silver bullet when it comes to, to infertility. I think that the biggest thing is just making sure that you're open, you're vocal and it's okay to have bad days and, um, just making sure that you're communicating with your support system is really goes a long way and it's okay to have any and all types of feelings along that journey. I love that. I don't know if you were back from taking care of your baby when Allison said pretty much the exact same thing about feeling the emotions. So you guys are uh, on the same page. You're on the same wavelength there, which is good, but um, we just just talked about it for three years. Also a lot of open conversation with your, partner is super helpful because these are types of situations that drive a wedge in relationships. Like it's really easy to have resentment or, you know, like it's, it's really, really, really hard to not have the desires of your heart granted when you feel like you're doing everything right. And that can come out in ways of like the people closest to you. And so you know, it's, it's easy to take it out on your spouse because <laughs> they're the one there. And so we had a lot of conversations about feelings and, 
and letting each other feel what we needed to without judgment or anything like that. And shout out to the Nilsons, <laughs> you all for letting us be uh, sounding. So <laughs> you guys were well, there we were thick and thin and we're grateful for that. Like a good support well, system. Along yeah, we, we've both been Same there for each other guys. during uh, very tough times. Yeah. That's, that's, that's for cool. sure. But no, seriously, you guys are admirable examples, models of strength and faith and perseverance, all the good things. And and I mean, also of weakness. And I love that too. Like I love yeah, the vulnerability. Absolutely. So I, gotta throw, I have to throw that out there too. I think that, yeah, I don't think weakness needs to have a negative connotation to it either. Like we're all weak in some regards. And so hearing about the hard times and how you allowed yourself to feel those hard times and feel weak is very admirable. And we're just grateful to have you guys as neighbors, grateful to have learned from you guys through all this. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Thank you guys for sharing all this. And, um, we hope that if anyone listening, man, you have a lot of good, good wisdom to hear from this. Um, I'm sure too that um, we'd be happy to have you reach out to us and I can reach out to Allison about any other questions that you might have. I know that she really appreciated just like the help and motivation from other people going through similar things as she was going through it. So feel free to reach out. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for listening. Until next time. Love the Nilsons and the Petersons. <laughs> <laughs>